May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've got three questions for you today. First, why would God love you? You can probably think of some of the the good things that you've done or your good intentions. But in your quieter, more honest moments, really? Should he? Second question. If God loves you, why doesn't your life always look like it? You look around and you see people who who don't seem to care at all for God, and, well, they're the ones with the the money and the power and the fun and the carefree life? If God loves me, why doesn't my life look more like it? Third question. If God is so good, why is life even for God's people, especially And doesn't it seem like there's always a struggle? If it's not one thing, it's another that's that's going wrong. And then you add on top of that all of the things God expects from you? If God is so good, why is life so hard? All three questions are answered in the same way. We need to see what God sees. Sight is probably the sense that we rely on most, we depend on most. Fill in the blank. Blank is believing. Seeing. I've never heard someone say smelling is believing. Seeing is believing. If if we're kind of doubting something that someone is saying, we say you need to show me, right? Let me see it. That verb see shows up nine times in our text from 1 Samuel that, that you heard Vicar read. You know, man seeing appearances, God seeing the heart. But already in the first verse, we see it. Real literally, God's telling us what he sees. He, he says, I see one of Jesse's sons, a king for me. I know our translation says that he's chosen one of Jesse's sons, but it's more than that. It literally says that God sees it. He sees it already. You see, Samuel was dealing with those questions with which we started, right? He was looking around and he was seeing things that didn't look like these were, you know, like Israel was God's special people. It it wasn't going the way it should have in, in his mind. You know, Saul, great king, he had all these hopes and expectations, but but God rejected Saul. And Samuel, it says, was grieving that. He was looking around and he was seeing everything that was wrong. And and look at what it did to him. You know, God told faithful prophet Samuel to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king. And you notice what what Samuel says? No, no, I can't do that. Saul will kill me. Think about it. God told Samuel to do something. And Samuel said, no, that won't work because a man, Saul, 
And this is Samuel talking, right? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, Samuel. But he wasn't seeing God in the picture. He was seeing what could be so plainly seen. But he didn't see God. He needed to to see what God sees. And it wasn't just that first scene, right? Samuel then finally does go to Jesse's house, and he's getting ready to to anoint the the next king. And, And God told Samuel very specifically, wait until I tell you which one to anoint. But what does Samuel do? He sees. He sees Eliab. The, the, the strongest, the oldest, the stateliest, the one that looked like a king. And he says, I know, this, this is the one. But God told him, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Look at verse 7. That, that's kind of a key verse here. <clears throat> the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then you heard what happened next. As son after son passes in front of Samuel, he says, nope, God didn't tell me that one. Until he gets through them all and he says, is, is this it? Is this all that you have? No, there was still, there was still the youngest, the smallest. And, and you wonder, why didn't Jesse have all his sons there when he was supposed to? Was it because Jesse saw David, he was the smallest, he was the the youngest, he couldn't possibly be that important. But of course, God saw something else. He didn't just see a kid, he saw a king. He saw the one who would shepherd his people in the pasture of the Lord. He saw the one who would lead his people in, in paths of righteousness. The one who was small enough to know that he needed God for all of that. Look at the gospel lesson. The people there thought that they saw in John the Messiah, right? John, powerful proclamation John, who's preaching repentance and the kingdom of God, who's baptizing and crowds are flocking out to him. John, that must be the one. But, But God showed that he saw something else. He saw not in the one who was doing the baptizing, but the one who was baptized that day. He saw something that no one else saw. He saw the Son of God. Heaven opened. The Spirit descending. The Father's voice beaming. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Who cares what he looks like to others? See what God sees. He saw in that man in the river the answer to all of the very logical questions with which we started the sermon. He saw the one promised to come and make us what we weren't. He he saw the one who would crush Satan's power. He saw his perfect son come to take all of our imperfections. He saw the promised Messiah who would be pierced for our transgressions. He saw the good shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. He saw his willing servant who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God sees what we didn't. He saw David as king. He saw Jesus as Messiah. And now he sees you as his child. That's what your baptism declared. Do you see what God sees? Or are there some times when 
You say, you know, I just don't. I don't see it. I look around and these truths that we're talking about today don't seem to always play out. Right? So, so today is New Member Welcome Sunday. We are celebrating the, the, the gifts that God has given to our congregation in the people that he has attached to our congregation in the last year. Every one of them who stood up in front of church and made their promises of faithfulness to God and his word. Promises of faithfulness in worship and Bible study attendance. Promises that they'd, they'd rather die than, than fall away from it. That they would prioritize this. Today is also Commitment Sunday, which means all the rest of us get to think about those promises too. All of us who, who made that, whether our confirmation was, was, was 20 years ago or, or 20 days ago, we made those same promises. And today, we get to put our names down. We get to put it in writing, the things that we are committing to do this year, because we know how good they'll be for us. But now the question, does it always look like we have 320 people who are, who are faithfully committed to all of that? Let, let me tell you, if, if it did, we would not be discussing how we are going to fix the stucco on the, the back, on the outside of, of this wall here. We'd be talking about how we would be breaking down that wall to build the expansion of the sanctuary because there wouldn't be room here. Our Bible studies would be filled to overflowing. Those sign-up sheets that are out on the information table there, there wouldn't be a square, a free space to, to put your name anymore because they'd all be full. Our treasurer's biggest problem would be trying to figure out what to do with all the extra money. Doesn't always look like we think it should. At church and in your life, right? Would you have the problems you have if you were really God's child, would that sin, you know, the one that really sticks around for you, would that still be sticking around? Whether for you it's the, it's the anger or the greed or the lust or the pride. If you were really his child, would, would, would that be there? Why does your life sometimes feel broken? We need to see what God sees. Not just before but even after he calls us to faith. To man's eyes that judge on appearances and see all the reasons you shouldn't be God's child, it would never have happened. But God's eyes are filled with grace. And so when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sins because Jesus has removed them. He sees the perfection of his son. He calls you his child whom he loves, with whom he is well pleased. He made you that when there wasn't a thing anyone could see in you that, that deserved it. And now that you're his child, see what God sees. To our eyes who don't always look like those blessed by the Lord, but you know why? It's because when God makes someone his child, he also makes him a new set of enemies. Right? The devil and all of his allies are, are going to be attacking God's children because they want to destroy them and defeat them. It, it happens. I mean, I, I, I say it just about every, every time in Bible information class, as people are getting into the habit of, of being in God's word, as they are uh, making Bible study that regular pattern, as they're getting ready to make their promises of faithfulness for the rest of their life, I, I'll usually tell them, watch out, because Satan's going to be attacking I've seen it again 
and again and again. Right? When people are making those commitments and doing those things that are helpful for them, Satan finds a way to try to, to derail them. And it can happen for us who, who are here too, where we say, you know what, I'll, I'll make that next level commitment. I'll, I'll do that, that other thing. I'll spend more time in the Word or in prayer when, anytime we put that when on there, you know, when, when I get to this certain spot in my career, then I'll be able to focus on God more. Well, Satan's going to do all he can to make sure You either never get to that spot in your career or you're so busy along the way that you forget about the promise. If you say, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible every morning uh, as long as I wake up before my alarm, guess who's going to be battling the snooze button? When we say, I'll do this when, you know, my, my family life is a little less hectic, well, there's going to be drama. We need to see what God sees. Because for believers, there will be struggles when we are doing what God expects of us. David was anointed in our text. You know the next chapters of the story? His life wasn't necessarily totally hunky-dory right after that. Because he suddenly had a new enemy, the king, who started chasing him around trying to kill him. Jesus in his baptism, that great day when he was declared with power to be the Son of God. Anyone remember what happened immediately after that? He was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and be tempted by the devil. I'm sure you've seen that same pattern in your life. As a believer, life will be hard. But see what God sees. Through all of those struggles, we have the promise of eternal life. In every setback, your faith has the chance to shine. With every pain, there is the opportunity to not only see what God sees, but to be what God decrees. Our first question that we started with was, why would God love you? See his answer in Jesus. He loves because that's who he is, not because of of anything in you. So, so let that play out in your lives as you love others. Because just as it is true that we don't deserve God's love and forgiveness, I'm guessing that there are some people in your life that don't deserve your love or forgiveness either. But just as God has forgiven you, he looks at you not as what you deserve, but as his forgiven child. You can see them. As God sees them, forgiven and loved, not only by him, but by you too. Our second question, why doesn't life look like God loves me? Well, for that one, I want you to look at that. When you see that, you can't really ask that question, can you? It kind of looks like God loves you. He died for you. So see that when the third question comes. If God is so good, why is life so hard? It's because in your baptism, you were brought into a war. A war that you know deep down, but a war that you know you have the victory for because of Jesus. Even when we can't see it. And God is good. He made us. He knows us. He knows that sometimes we need to see it. 
That's why he gives us so many awesome stories, so many true history accounts in the Bible where we can see again and again and again God doing what he says he's doing even when it didn't look like it for those people. And you could probably go through 20 stories to do that. And then he even amps it up and he attaches something visible, something physical. In your baptism, you saw the water. You heard the word and God's promise tells you what that is. You saw God claiming you as his child, forgiving all your sins. And in a couple minutes, we get to see the the bread and wine to which God has attached a promise. His body and blood, our forgiveness and life. Life does look different when you see what God sees. May God grant it in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed printed on page 12 in the bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we take this opportunity to give our gifts of thanks and praise to God in the form of our offering. As the offering is gathered, please do fill in the friendship registers that are being handed down the aisle. As you put your information in there, it better allows us to do what God has called us together to do. Encourage one another on toward love and good deeds.